What's up, mortals? This is Mortality Minded, where we explore life, death, and whatever's next through culture, science, personal growth, and more. I'm your host, Thomas Gaudio. In this episode, I'm putting the spotlight on politics as part of my End Points series. We've obviously just finished an incredibly contentious presidential election, the results of which President Trump and some other Republicans are still fighting. So it's the perfect time to look at one of the most important aspects of politics, advertising. We all know political advertising is meant to compel us to vote one way or another. But a fascinating area of social psychology called terror management theory argues that a primal force is often at work in these ads that we don't realize. Both overt and subtle reminders of our mortality that trigger our emotions, particularly our primitive, unconscious fear of death. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time talking about how terror management theory works generally, because it's necessary to understanding the argument that political messaging uses death reminders to manipulate us. Also, there's a lot to the theory and its research findings. It's not exactly something that lends itself to a quick explanation if you want to truly understand it. But I think it's worth taking that time and making that effort, because terror management theory is investigating something fundamental to our individual and shared humanity, that doesn't receive nearly enough attention. The psychological, behavioral, and societal effects of our mortality awareness. After my break, break, breakdown, I don't know why I said that three times. After my breakdown of terror management theory and its political implications, I share my daily mantras with you as usual. So stick around for a dose of mortality-minded motivation. All right, I think I've rambled on enough in this preamble. Let's get to it. During the presidential campaign, political ads from both President Donald Trump and now President-elect Joe Biden manipulated our emotions and ultimately our political views and votes by leveraging fears, anxieties, longings, and aspirations that stem from our most primal anxiety about mortality and the inevitability of death. That's the general consensus from a group of students at Fort Lewis College in Colorado. The students assessed several such ads under the guidance of a clinical psychologist and a professor of psychology at the school, and through a framework developed by a trio of academics associated with the Ernest Becker Foundation. We'll get to who Ernest Becker was and how he's related to this material shortly. The foundation recently presented the students' assessments and a related question and answer webinar both of which examine the effect of mortality reminders on politics through the lens of terror management theory. Terror management theory is an intriguing area of social psychology that seeks to understand the ways in which our mortality awareness affect our thoughts and behaviors as individuals and our activities and relationships as members of groups. Before I talk some more about death anxiety and political messaging and what was discussed during the webinar, I'm going to break down the theory since it's the foundation for that discussion. Plus, selfishly, I love learning and talking about it, so it'll be fun for me. If you listen to my first full episode titled, What is Mortality Minded? You may remember that I mentioned terror management theory as something that absolutely fascinates me and I've been learning a lot about lately. By the way, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I invite you to check it out. 
since it gives a nice overview of both Mortality Minded, which is a larger project this podcast falls under, and a way of looking at the world, and me in terms of why I created it. Okay, now let's dig into terror management theory. It was first developed in 1986 by three social psychologists who sought to empirically test the ideas and work of Ernest Becker, a cross-disciplinary anthropologist who spent his academic career in the 1960s and 70s striving to understand what drives human thought and behavior. Essentially, Becker came to the conclusion that our mortality awareness causes significant but subconscious anxiety or dread in us that drives fundamental aspects of the ways we think and act, fueling much of humanity's myriad cultures, which comprise our religions, political parties, and much more. The concepts underlying terror management theory appear in much of Becker's writings, including The Denial of Death, which won the Pulitzer Prize for a nonfiction book in 1974. The theory hinges on the following premise. Organisms, including humans, have a primitive impulse to survive. But humans are different in a very important way. Unlike any other organism, as far as we can tell, we have the ability for symbolic and abstract thought, which includes thinking temporarily, as in backward and forward in time. The ability to think symbolically and abstractly, while beneficial in many ways, also leads to the awareness that death is certain for us and can happen anytime in any number of ways. That difference between our inclination to stay alive on the one hand and the understanding that death will come regardless of our efforts to survive and can occur at any moment has the potential to cause crippling dread in us. That's the terror in terror management theory. To prevent that from happening, we use that same capacity for symbolic and abstract thought to unconsciously deny and defy our mortal reality to varying degrees. How? We've accomplished this mental feat over eons of human evolution by adopting and living up to ways of thinking that give our lives significance and grant us some form of life after death. That's the management in terror management theory. Life after death comes in two forms, symbolic and literal. Symbolically, we strive for immortality through tangible and intangible legacies, such as having children, creating work that will outlive us, amassing wealth we can pass on to our children or others, and even just being part of experiences that leave memories of us. On the literal end of this spectrum of immortality, many of us seek to transcend death itself through belief in an eternal soul or consciousness, reincarnation, or some other form of afterlife. To me, the idea of literal immortality is only comforting if you assume your incorporescence won't be eternally trapped somewhere metaphysically akin to a torture chamber or an open office desk. Redundant, I know. A little office humor there for you, maybe very little, for those who've been uh, subjected to the hell of working at a desk where there is no separation between you and anyone else. Anyway, here's the kicker to the management side of the theory. We then form bonds with others who share our perspectives, 
in order to validate our way of life. And they're more than happy to oblige us because it validates them as well, which bolsters the self-esteem of everyone in our quote-unquote tribe, but can lead to disregarding or denigrating views that are different from our own. Basically, terror management theory asserts that throughout our history, humans have created, internalized, and adhered to cultural worldviews defined in this sense as sets of ideas that provide us with meaning and self-esteem and allow us to negate our mortality and the unconscious anxiety that awareness of it causes. Assuming that we meet or surpass the communal standards of our views that provide us with this sense of immortality. Since it's a complex concept that seeks to explain a wide swath of human thought and behavior, I created an exaggerated, oversimplified, and incredibly stilted dialogue no one would ever have in a million years to help illuminate the theory. Here goes. A Catholic walks up to an atheist and says, it kind of sounds like the beginning of an old school joke, right? A Catholic walks up to an atheist and says, hey there, you godless, amoral bastard. I want you to know that I'm a devout Catholic. For example, I follow the Ten Commandments receive communion at church every Sunday, and go to confession regularly, and I have children I've raised well, all of which give me self-esteem by making me feel like I have value and live in a meaningful world. After I die, my soul will rise to heaven to be with God and everyone I love forever. Plus, I'll live on in an earthly sense through my children and the memories I've created with my family and friends. Other Catholics and parents who think and act like me validate my beliefs and behaviors. But since you don't, atheists, your views threaten my way of life and are therefore unimportant to me. By thinking and living this way, I manage my subliminal fear of death. The atheist then responds, Well, hello there, you hypocritical, deluded fool. I want you to know that as an atheist, I don't believe in a higher power or an afterlife, but I am a professional artist and I earn a good living, which gives me self-esteem by making me feel like I have value and live in a meaningful world. After I die, I'll live on in an earthly sense through my artwork, the money I donate to charity, and the memories I've created with my family and friends. Other atheists and artists who think and act like me validate my beliefs and behaviors. But since you don't, Catholic, your views threaten my way of life and are therefore unimportant to me. By thinking and living this way, I manage my subliminal fear of death. While this would be an extremely awkward conversation, it would still be way better than most small talk. In real life, these ideas play out in variable and subtle ways well below our consciousness, according to terror management theory. But is any of this stuff verifiable? Terror management theory has been tested in hundreds of studies around the world. This research has resulted in decades of evidence supporting the theory's three main hypotheses. The first one is that reminders of death amplify our need to defend our cultural worldviews, and the self-esteem that arises from meeting or exceeding the standards inherent to them. This is known as the mortality salience hypothesis, and it's the most tested one under the theory. 
One of the most well-known studies testing this hypothesis involves municipal court judges in Tucson, Arizona. First, the experimenters had some judges in the group write about their own death. The rest of the judges didn't. Afterward, all of the judges were given a case brief, which is a summary and analysis of a court opinion about a prostitution charge and asked to suggest a bond amount for the accused. The assumption going into this scenario was that if upholding the law is central to a judge's worldview, which it probably should be, then those judges who were reminded of death should defend that worldview by coming down harder on the lawbreakers and therefore suggest a higher bond amount for the accused than the judges who weren't reminded of death. It turned out that the judges who wrote about their own death before reviewing the case brief suggested an average bond of $455. And the judges who didn't write about their own death beforehand? Drum roll, please. Well, there's not going to be a drum roll. And there's no one to ask, because it's just me in my bedroom with the window tightly shut and the door closed to minimize any noise while I'm talking into the mic. Anyway, those judges who didn't write about their own death beforehand suggested an average bond for the accused of just $50, or more than $400 less than the other judges. That's a huge difference. It's only one study, but there have been many others like it also supporting the mortality salience hypothesis. The other two hypotheses under the theory are, thoughts of death are pushed into our subconscious where they're more manageable by our cultural worldviews and self-esteem. And lastly, self-esteem alleviates anxiety both generally and as it relates to death. So all of the primary terror management theory studies test one or more of those hypotheses across different areas of life, including politics. In the political realm, Terror management theory research has shown that death reminders cause people, regardless of their political preference or affiliation, to prefer charismatic leaders over task-oriented or relationship-oriented leaders. Also, large-scale death reminders, such as the events during and after 9-11, can cause people to prefer more conservative leaders and policies promoting safety and law and order. And this is intense. Some terror management theory studies show that mortality salience, or death reminders, increase support for using nuclear weapons to fight terrorism, preemptively in at least one study, as well as sending troops into battle despite previous attacks failing, and military interventions that were presented as ineffective. One study even showed that asking people to merely think about immigrants moving into their neighborhood caused an increase in death-related thoughts, which then raised their likelihood of voting for a leader who vowed to be tougher on immigration. Okay, let's stop here for a second and bring it back to Ernest Becker. He thought of human efforts to achieve life after death, whether symbolically or literally, as I mentioned earlier, as immortality projects. They're at the center of our cultural worldviews, which allow us to manage our subconscious anxiety about death. So terror management theory studies seem to support one of his main arguments related to this idea, that conflict between contradictory immortality projects, 
especially religions, is a primary source of the hatred, violence, and suffering caused by wars, genocide, racism, and nationalism. Why? Because immortality projects that are fundamentally different than our own, or at least perceived to be fundamentally different than our own, threaten our core beliefs and sense of security. We're then compelled to defend our beliefs and security and neutralize the threat. Now, obviously, terror management theory isn't the final say on these matters. There are critics of it and alternative explanations for its findings, though so far none have disproved it or supplanted it. I have questions about it too, especially about its underlying assumptions. At a minimum, though, I think terror management theory makes a persuasive argument that awareness of our mortality affects us individually and societally in ways we're really just beginning to understand. And it could help explain some of our intensifying behaviors this year amid relentless reminders of COVID-19 deaths, such as our food and toilet paper hoarding at the beginning of the pandemic, remember that? And how we've seemed to retreat even further into our already divided political identities. So now that we have a better sense of what terror management theory is all about, including within a political context, let's go back to looking at death anxiety in political messaging and what was discussed during that Q&A webinar. I'm not going to go into too much detail here, since you can check out all of this material for yourself on the Ernest Becker Foundation website, which I highly recommend and will link to in the show notes. The students I mentioned at the beginning of the episode analyzed four ads in total, one from Trump and three from Biden, in which each candidate, surprise, surprise, disparaged his opponent and exalted himself. Of course, that's what political ads do. Using the framework I spoke to earlier, the one developed by that trio of academics associated with the Ernest Becker Foundation, and that's based on terror management theory research, the students broke down the language, imagery, sounds, and overall tones of the video ads in the context of certain themes, and offered their thoughts on how the ads might affect the emotions of viewers and therefore their political views and votes. According to this terror management theory framework, those themes or motifs reflect and categorize politicians' efforts to manipulate our fears, anxieties, longings, and aspirations stemming from our most primal anxiety about mortality and the inevitability of death. There are four themes in total, which all have a dramatic flair to them, making them sound kind of epic. So, number one, death reminders. Two, threats to values. Three, and this is my favorite one, apocalyptic visions. (laughs) And four, holy longing. So each of the ads reflect one or more of these themes, which capture Trump's and Biden's emotion-infused efforts to sway our minds and votes, according to the assessment. As for the related Q&A webinar, there were two panelists, Sheldon Solomon, who is one of the three psychologists who co-developed terror management theory, and a professor of psychology at Skidmore College, and Brian Burke, 
the clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at Fort Lewis College, who supervised the political ad analyses by the students. Burke has published several meta-analyses of terror management theory research, including a meta-analysis that reviewed studies exploring the intersection of the theory and politics. For those who may not get that jargon, a meta-analysis is essentially an assessment of different studies about the same subject in order to statistically determine the validity of the findings as a whole. So the webinar explored, through the lens of terror management theory, several aspects of the overall effect that mortality reminders have on politics. Again, I'm not going to go too deep here. The webinar lasted an hour. The answers are pretty dense and nuanced. And you can, and I think should, check it out for yourself on the Ernest Becker Foundation website. I'll just mention a few of the questions that were asked and brief summaries of the answers, kind of like a Cliff's Notes or Spark Notes version of the session or whatever shortcut that kids are using these days to do less work while still passing their classes. Okay, question. Are politicians deliberately using death reminders in their ads, and are they aware of terror management theory research? Short answer. Not sure, but a few of them may be aware of it. However, politicians don't need to know about the research to understand the concepts behind it and take advantage of its political implications. Think along the lines of infamous Nazi leader Adolf Hitler and his disturbingly effective minister of propaganda, Josef Goebbels. Question, why hasn't the COVID-19 pandemic caused a shift to conservatism as 9-11 did? Short answer, though reminders of death were also prevalent with 9-11, The context of the pandemic is completely different, and other factors can override our subconscious reaction to death. At least half the country seemingly blames Trump to one degree or another for the large number of deaths in the U.S. this year, which stemmed from a faceless viral outbreak. Whereas with 9-11, most of the country rallied around President George W. Bush, at least for a while, against a clear human threat. Osama bin Laden and other terrorists that Americans didn't blame the president for inspiring. And the last question I'll highlight, how do we distinguish between righteous political outrage, for example, about environmental policies that cause irreversible damage to the earth, and irrational responses to unconscious existential terror? Short answer, we can't. We're screwed. Next question. No, the actual answer was, it may be hard to discern the difference, but there are steps you can take. One is spending time to objectively research the issues and think through them on your own. Then compare your reactions to them with how politicians are framing them. But also keep in mind that sometimes anger and indignation are healthy and necessary. In light of all this research and analysis where mortality and politics meet, Solomon and Burke urge us to consider that both major parties use death-related fear and anxiety to trigger our emotions, affect our perspectives, and win our votes. By learning about how death reminders affect us, though, we may be able to develop less reactive and more informed political views that lead to better choices. I know I threw a lot at you in a relatively short amount of time here, and it's somewhat complex material. But I hope I was able to communicate it clearly and effectively, because I think it's very important. 
Again, not that terror management theory is the be-all end-all, and I'm still learning about it myself. But to me, it's a compelling framework to view mortality awareness and the world through, and I think it's worthy of serious consideration and study. At the very least, it makes a great excuse for shitty behavior. Hey, so sorry about last night. My subconscious death anxiety was acting up again. You can dive into the ad analyses, the Q&A webinar, and the political messaging framework inspired by terror management theory on the Ernest Becker Foundation website on two different pages. The ad analyses and the Q&A webinar are on a page titled, This Mortal Life, Political Manipulation. And explanations of the themes and the framework are on a page titled, Voter Manipulation, Death Anxiety in Political Messaging. Also, at the bottom of that page, there is a link to student analyses of 2016 presidential campaign ads from then-candidates Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Just in case you feel like revisiting that campaign and election, which amazingly now seems like a sunny day in the park dancing with puppies across rainbows compared with the flaming septic tank that is politics this year. I'll link to all three pages in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about terror management theory studies, check out the sources section in the show notes. Relatedly, the co-developers of the theory have written two books, which are most definitely on my reading list. One is called In the Wake of 9-11, The Psychology of Terror. And the other is The Worm at the Core on the Role of Death in Life. Now I want to take some time to share my daily mortality mantras with you. I developed the first one a few years ago. It goes like this. I will die, and I could become severely ill and or disabled. One or more of these state changes could happen or start happening right now, decades from now, or at any moment in between. So I will make the most of whatever time I have left while I'm still healthy and breathing. The second one is a saying in Italian from my grandmother, who died in 2019 at the age of 102. She would say it to me and other members of my family whenever we needed to hear it most. And it's something I repeated back to her over and over again, just a few hours before she died, as potential travel advice, just in case she was going somewhere. It goes like this. Ordina al tuo destino di essere bello e tale sarà. It means, command your destiny to be beautiful, and it will be. I say both of them to myself every day, usually after the roughly 30 to 60 second ice cold shower I take each morning, shortly after getting out of bed to help wake my groggy ass up and start the day off right. I hope these matches help you as much as they help me. All right, that's a wrap for now. Join me in exploring mortality and everything that follows from it by subscribing to Mortality Minded wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find episodes and other content on mortalityminded.com. If social media is your thing, I'm at Mortality Minded on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or if you want to kick it old school, email me through connect at mortalityminded.com. 
Let me know what you think of this episode and others by rating and or commenting on them. Your feedback is much appreciated and goes a long way in helping make the show better for everyone involved. You, the guests, and me alike. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay mortality-minded.